This is Amanda Rizzani with Digital CXO, and I'm excited to be here today with Shane Berry. He is the Head of Customer Experience at Mission Lane. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. Wonderful. Can you give a little bit about your background and then explain what Mission Lane does? Absolutely. Um, I am Shane Berry. I'm the Head of uh, Digital Customer Experience. Uh, at Mission Lane, and that's design, research, content, and marketing. Um, and I uh, personally joined Mission Lane way, way back at the start. Um, Mission Lane is a, a purpose-driven fintech startup that's really focused on providing credit options for, for underserved Americans. Uh, and that's like the, the nearly half of Americans who, who really since the financial crisis in 2008 have largely been left behind, kind of ignored by bigger banks and institutions. Um, they really don't have great credit options everywhere, um, and uh, and they may not have access to liquidity in an emergency. It's a it's a really big group of of, of uh, consumers who are kind of really defined by the market itself and the access and options they have available, um, rather than sort of a, a defining set of characteristics that really sort of yeah defined by by what they have available to them. And so Mission Lane serves those folks by uh, developing an ecosystem of products that meets them where they are on their journey. And really prioritizes their progress towards where they want to be, really building paths for improvement in their financial lives um, in, a, in an affirmative kind of experience. Um, I won't dwell on my backstory too long, but I wasn't—I myself wasn't really raised in affluence. I, I had a single mom um, who worked really hard for my sister and me, but money was real scarce when we were growing up. And I spent my early adulthood working service jobs and making sort of regrettable and sometimes unavoidable financial decisions. So I really like I really resonate with uh, with the 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 folks that um that we uh, that we serve. You know, I spent most of my middle adulthood re recovering from the same kind of financial um, struggles that that many of our customers do. It's not a, an uncommon experience in, in America, obviously, and um and it really gives me sort of tremendous drive to kind of help help those folks navigate it. Thanks for sharing. So when it comes to the financial and banking industry, how important is the online and mobile customer experience? Oh, good question. Um, I will acknowledge my bias here as a digital experience professional. Um, uh, but I think that question really kind of, there's sort of two parts to it in my mind. What, one is how it, um, uh, important is it for the business, right? Um, spoiler, it's extremely important for, for, for the business. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's really, uh, uh, the vast majority of our customers really come to us on digital platforms. Um, they apply for our products on the website. They manage their account in our mobile app and our mobile web. Um, it's really the focal point for all of our customers' feelings towards us. It's a storefront, a teller. It's really the personification of the company. And so it's critical for us in the industry to not only view it as a channel for performing a, like a, a discrete set of tasks, but really it's the product itself or it's a product for all intents and purposes. And so it's critically important for, for the business. And the other thing I think about is how important is it for the customers, right? Um, for the customers, it's important for all the same reasons, but with totally different goals. A customer wants to feel that they're in control and they're making the right decisions. Um, especially when it comes to their money, which is an extremely personal, personal thing. So digital services, surfaces, um, you know, the, the, the online and the mobile customer experience, um, are really, they, they can be really fantastic at giving customers that sense of control. Um, often better than live interaction with real, real people, 
right? Real agents um, or tellers, but they can also be really, really bad at it, right? D digital services can be really terrible at making customers feel in control, um, especially when they don't take customer expectations into account. And that, of course, leads to a pretty nasty downward spiral of, of customer sentiment where uh, uh, value can be lost on both sides. Absolutely. So when it comes to digital transformation of the financial industry, efficiency and automation are some key elements. What is the relationship between automation and customer preferences in the context of fintech? Yeah, wow. Um, that's a, a pretty pretty big question. And uh, uh, yeah, again, this is another one where I kind of think about it in two ways. Um, you know, in, in finance and banking, banking um, uh, automation kind of takes a bunch of different forms, right? In the in the back office, it really shows up in fraud, um, automated fraud processing, um, underwriting is a big one. Um, uh, you know, extending credit, knowing who to extend credit to, and um, and then sort of administrative tasks. And these are almost universally positive applications of automation, especially when they're applied uh, diligently, right? And they keep costs down, they prevent errors. They really increase leverage, which is what technology is all about, right? It's about um, providing ourselves kind of superhuman ability to to do things. Um, so, in, in that case, you know, there's nothing really particularly controversial about automation in those applications. I think for the consumer, though, this is the other side of it. They sort of show up in in different ways in automated tooling, often in, in parts of the of the of the digital product that that's actually consumer facing. Things like budgeting tools or financial planning or um, algorithmic savings, um, uh, customer service, right? Um, you know, obviously that's a big topic these days, the use of chatbots and customer service. But they even show up in really simpler, more tried and true things that a lot of us take for granted, like like um, automatic credit card payments and automatic bill payments. Um, and so, you know, the, the relationship between those is really pretty fraught. It's, uh, it's really about understanding uh, uh, the value kind of on a deep level to customers and, and sort of threading the needle on um, on the value for the business and the, and the customer. We think the more automation options and ease, the better. But what are some areas that financial institutions need to consider more carefully first in order to determine if the service is actually beneficial or could be potentially harmful? Hmm, that's, I mean, that's a really, another really good question here. So, I guess, first and foremost, it's about, you know, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. It's about customers maintaining a sense of control, right? Um, if, if automation or, 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 you know, an automated process or service, if it narrows a customer's choice or an understanding for them about what's happening with their money, uh, that's a path that leads to, you know, or can lead to really bad outcomes for, for customers and then, and thus the business, um, um, so for, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, the automated payments, which I sort of touched on earlier, you know, one of the ways you can kind of manage uh, beneficiality for customers is really maintaining their sense of control in dimensions like ability to shift their due date. So they match up better with their, their income, and they sort of fit that puzzle of, of all the different due dates and, and income that, that many of our customers sort of are navigating. Or it's a separate account for bills so that some, uh, you know, bills come out of certain different accounts or, or you know, uh, just a separated, um, you know, system for them to track that way. It's seeing everything in one place. Um, those are the sort of ways that we can kind of, I think, think about the beneficiality and layer in 
um, a sense of control over, over the top of the automation. So in knowing that some services such as automated payments might not always be ideal, are there any banks that provide some sort of useful walkthrough or videos to help aid customers in selecting the right services so they don't end up unhappy? It's a good question. You know, I, I, it's automated uh, uh, walkthroughs are, are uh, definitely one solution to, to the problem of um, giving customers context. We at Mission Lane and, 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 you know, what I sort of find to be a more effective approach is a little bit of the, of the things that I touched on earlier. It really is um, uh, maintaining control throughout the process. Uh, automated walkthroughs, you know, can be great if they're in context um, or um, uh, let me pause here and start that one over if that's okay. Um, I wonder if you, uh, if, depending on how we want to edit this, <laughs> um, do you want to ask the question again, or was there enough pause there that I should just go ahead and start answering it again? There's enough pause there. We could start answering it again, or I can re-ask the question. It's up to you. All right. I'll, I'll just do that. I'll just answer it again. Um, let's see. So actually, why don't you go ahead and ask the, ask the question again, if you wouldn't mind. So in understanding that certain things like automated payments might not always be ideal for individuals, are there any banks that provide some sort of useful walkthrough or videos to help aid customers in selecting the right services so they don't end up unhappy? That's a great question. Um, I am not aware of any, um, you know, uh, automated walkthroughs being uh, the sort of the solution to this particular uh, conundrum as much as I am um, aware of the approach that sort of, as I touched on earlier, maintains a customer's sense of control throughout. You know, in the case of automated payments, for example, it's, it's less of, a, of a, um, a situation where the customer may not understand what's specifically happening, but more that um, throughout the process, there are areas where a customer's input um, or ability to, like I said, control the situation is useful. Um, you know, th there are examples that we have in, 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 in our qualitative research with our customers where, uh, you know, a payment coming out at the wrong time um, caused an overdraft fee. And it was, you know, based not on a customer's misunderstanding about how auto pay works or when it's intended to come out, um, but really about just a, you know, the, the inability to shift something when um, external circumstances need it. So, you know, uh, I, I think you can take that lesson and extend it beyond simply that. I, I don't, you know, it's it's not about a, 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 the automated walk through the understanding. It really is about maintaining that sense of control throughout the process. Gotcha. So how can banks become better aware overall of what customers want or need in order to provide the best service and experience possible to them? Uh, yeah, this um, this may sound really simple and obvious, uh, and, and it is, but uh, um, but it's important to, to kind of state it. You, you talk to them. You listen to them. Um, you know, obviously, qualitative feedback needs a layer of interpretation. There's, you know, the, the classic... Uh, Henry Ford, if you, I ask people what they'd want, they tell me faster horses. And I think that's often used as an excuse to not ask customers what they want. But what it really means is 
you need to ask them what they want and then spend the time, do the hard work of interpreting that and finding better ways to solve their problems than even they can imagine. So it needs that layer of, of interpretation. But it's, it is tempting sometimes, and I, I see this a lot, to think that we know better uh, um, what customers want than they do. And that's really, really often not the case at all, especially with something as personal as money. When you talk to customers and when you listen to them, you learn pretty quickly what works for folks and, and what doesn't. Understandable. So how can financial institutions better harness online customer data and the experience data while adhering to privacy standards so that they can level up their services in that way? Oh, man, good question. Um, yeah, that's, you know, kind of going back to it, you really need what you're saying, the, the what and the why, right? The why goes back to talking to customers. Without that layer of understanding, the what is is not going to give you the whole picture. Um, you know, uh, there's not much privacy consideration in asking people how they feel and what they want. So, you know, that's a pretty simple answer there. But for the what, um, I'm uh, I should I should preface this by saying I'm not a, a, a privacy lawyer. <laughs> um, I work <laughs> within the uh, the bounds that I that I'm uh, uh, um, that I understand, and, and you know we we spend a lot of time on diligence in that regard. Um, but you know you really can get a lot of of the usage the the, the product usage analytics data um, in ways that are not intrusive to the customer and not and, and don't um, compromise their privacy in any way. Aggregate data. Um, and really, you need to eat, sleep, and breathe that stuff, right? Um, it's things like conversion rates. It's things like time on task. Um, and these are all aggregate numbers so that you understand things, the trends. Um, it's it's the, how long does it take to accomplish something, these sources of friction. You need to layer those in with the qualitative data you have to get the full picture of, of what customers are experiencing um, so that, you, like I said, then you can do the hard work of, of, of looking for ways to... Um, ease their pain, you know, uh, fix their, fix their, the things they struggle with, and then, and then maybe find real opportunities to, to improve their lives. Got it. So there's a lot of newer technology emerging on the market. I know AI is a big topic these days, machine learning. How can businesses incorporate this, especially in the banking and financial sectors? How can they incorporate this emerging technology for leveling up and improving the online customer experience? You know, I mean, I, I think it goes back to almost everything that we've just talked about. It really is understanding fundamentally customer needs. When I think about um, uh, the technology and the automation um, and uh, um, uh, really the leverage that we, that we talk about that is provided by those things, they're in service of something. What are they in service of? They're in service of providing customer value. I mean, that's how we get business value. Um, it really is. That's the direction. We're, we're building things for customers. We're building things to solve their problems. And so, um, you know, technology is just a tool. I know that's sort of a, a truism. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's just a tool to solving solving problems. And I think the the you know, from my seat, the best way that other institutions or that anybody can really leverage this technology is with a deep, deep, deep understanding of, of what customers' needs and expectations are. And a, and a real commitment to um, meeting those needs and, and exceeding those expectations. So in the end, no matter how much tools or technologies or automation efficiency, it really comes down to building those deep, meaningful relationships on the human level. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that comes back a little bit to that sense of control as well. Um, why is the humanity of the, of the, um, of the, of the approach important? Why do we want to, uh, maintain that? Um, it's, it's because people were wired to understand how to interact with other people. We're less wired to understand how to interact with, um, you know, uh, a database directly or, uh, or, uh, you know, even a, even a, a highly advanced language, uh, uh, learning model, right? Like the, these are, these are not, um, things that provide us that sense of control and affirmation on our decisions that are, that a real human, um, uh, interaction does. And so it's really important to within those, within these tools, within these, uh, solutions, keep an eye on the, on the human side of things so that, uh, again, we're solving customers problems in a way that, that, that provides them a sense of control. I have one last question. I've noticed several banks um, that have either completely failed uh, in the recently, <laughs> and I've noticed some banks that have closed their brick and mortar stores or are on the track to close their brick and mortar stores and be completely online. So what are your thoughts about in the next five, 10 years, are we going to see, is this an industry that's going to be predominantly online or where do you think we stand? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't predict the future. I think I can just look at trends and, and see where, where things are going. And again, I'm, I'm a little bit biased with my uh, perspective on, on, on being a digital user experience professional. But I, I do believe that, you know, the trend is one in which things become increasingly online. We spend more and more of our time online. That was obviously accelerated during the pandemic. Um, you know, and that's kind of pulled back a little bit. Uh, you, you see, a, you know, sort of a, a more uh, kind of cultural desire to be in the same place as other humans uh, post-pandemic. But I, I don't think that trend is going to really reverse anytime soon. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the digital experience, um, the, being digitally based, provides a ton of advantages in terms of leverage, in terms of the ability to apply these these this automation and this technology that we've been talking about. But I think there's always going to be a place for brick and mortar financial institutions. There's a, um, I think it was like a 2020 study, um, not the not the show of the year, a study in 2020 by uh, um, uh, Cornerstone Advisors on, on Americans shadow financial lives. It was really seeking to understand the rise of, of challenger banks at the time. And um, one of the questions they asked was why, why would you have, why do you have more than one checking account? This is one of the questions they asked their folks. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but the number one reason um, that people stated in that um, in that study was uh, closer bank branches. So um, I think there's always going to be a, a role for for brick and mortar. There's always going to be a desire for human interaction, um, even even as our our technological approaches and our automated approaches, you know, feel more human. People are really going to still have a desire to look somebody in the eye. To make um, to make financial decisions, so there's always going to be a role. Will it be reduced? Likely, because that's just the overall trend. But it's still going to be there. Makes sense. I want to thank you, Shane, for coming on today and sharing your insights to this industry. It has been absolutely my pleasure. Um, thank you. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. And to our audience, stay tuned for more Digital CXO interviews.